Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. Hey, we have a super special treat this morning. Sarah and I um, are so happy to welcome a dear friend of ours. He's the worship pastor at Vineyard Columbus and um, just a wonderful guy who carries just something so uh, brilliant in, in, the, in the spirit. And Sarah and I are just have been so blessed um, to get to know and just love uh, Joshua and Alicia as well and, and your family you guys, we love you, and we're so grateful for you, and we're grateful that you're here today. Um, just dear friends of ours, and you can you can hear Joshua's lovely voice on City and Bloom album. Most of you have that. He sings with Billy on the second track, so you're already you're already familiar with his voice a little bit, you know. And so he's going to come from not the worship leading uh, side of him, but from bringing the message. So would you welcome Joshua Miller to the stage as he brings the goodness? Players, what up? It's going down. Somebody trying to play a joke on me with this music stand. Uh, not that tall. It's all good. My name is Joshua. I am the pastor at uh, Vineyard Columbus. Um, as Evan said, I'm so good to be here with you guys. It's good to be able to be in the room with people. With no mask on, I can see your face. Uh, <clears throat> one of our worship leaders a couple of weeks ago was like, man, worship was just so different this week. I don't know what it was. People were just engaged. And then we were like, oh yeah, people don't have masks on. We can actually see their mouths moving. Uh, so it was like a really cool thing to realize. Um, I am married to my wife, Alicia. She's back there in the back. Um, and we've been married for eight years. We have three little girls, uh, Florence, Lenora, and Eloise. They are six, four, and two. Yes, pray for us. Uh, if you got kids, you know how that is. Uh, having little kids, especially during a pandemic, was fun sometimes. Uh, it wasn't fun the whole time. There were parts of it that were really difficult. Um, but really grateful that we are here. I was, uh, my family and I were in California for four years where I was an executive pastor at the Desert Vineyard. And we recently just moved back to Columbus in March uh, at the Vineyard Columbus. And so um, it's really good to be here. It's one of the reasons why we're able to be here is because now we're Ohioans again. Uh, so it's good to, to be here. So we're going to jump into scripture um, Evan told me I had about an hour and 50 minutes, so I'm going to use all of that time. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do that. Um, before we jump into the text today, I would love for you to just do me a favor. And that favor is if you have some paper or a pen or your phone where you can take some notes, would you take some notes today? And I want you to just listen to what I have to say Take some notes. And the reason why I say this is because I think it's really important that we are students of the word. That when someone gets up in front of you and starts telling you what the Bible says, that you should actually go back and check and see if that's what the Bible says. That you should go and study for yourself to know 
that what someone is saying is true, that you can take that and say that I believe that for myself. I believe what I'm saying is true. I've taken time to study and read and pray and research and all that. But you need to know for yourself that what I am saying is true. I think what this helps us do is it helps us to one, keep preachers accountable because sometimes people can just get up and say whatever they want. And then you take that and you regurgitate that and you find out later that that's not even in the Bible. So I think it's a good thing for you to, to, to study for yourself also so that you can grow as a person who is following Jesus, that you take time to study the scripture for yourself. So if you can take some notes, let's do that together. And then later this week, you can go back and take all of the points and scriptures and look through them yourself. Okay, now that's out of the way. Um, We are going to continue in this series that you're in, in the book of Acts. And today, um, I want to make some points about what do you do when you are doing a good work that gets interrupted. And the emphasis today, I want to talk about calling. What has God called you to? What is something that God has called you to that has been interrupted? The way that I like to define calling is calling is a request from God for your life. It is simply God inviting you into something. God saying, I am inviting you into doing this thing or that thing. That It might be multiple things that God is calling you to. So today we're going to look at that. And we're going to look at what do we do? How do we move through our calling when it gets interrupted? So we're going to look at Acts chapter 5 today. And we're going to start at verse 17. But before we jump into text, let's pray. And let's invite the Lord's presence. Jesus, we thank you for allowing us to gather here today. Lord, we don't want to take this moment for granted. The fact that we get to be in the room together. Jesus, thank you for that. Holy Spirit, would you be here with us today? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you allow us to hear what it is that you have to say? And Lord, I pray that whatever it is that you want to stick with us, allow it to stick and let everything else fade away. God, give us ears to hear. Give us an ability to respond to you. And that we would take these things and we would actually apply them to our lives. Would you bless this time? In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 5, verse 17. And before we get into verse 17, uh, the apostles or the people who had been following Jesus, who had known him, were doing miracles, they were seeing people healed, they were seeing people gather back in community, they were seeing um, all of these miracles happening, and they were to the point where it was so extravagant that there is part of the text that says that as Peter, who was one of the apostles, as he was walking through, his shadow would touch people and people would get healed. So this is like extravagant, miraculous 
things are happening. And then we pick up in the text and we see uh, the next part of the story. It's a, it's a lot to read, so try to follow along with me. In verse 17, we pick up. It says, Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail, brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about all this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. They, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they, because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as a prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are all witnesses of these things. So is the Holy Spirit who God has given to these to those who obey him. I want to work backwards in this text because I think it'll be really helpful for us to see what's happening. In this text, the first thing that I see what's happening is these folks who are following Jesus were clear about their calling. They were clear about their calling. It says, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God Rather than human beings. And at the end of that text he says. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit. Whom God has given to those who obey him. The first step. In all of this. Is knowing what exactly we are called to. If we are going to think about. What do we do when we are interrupted. We have to first know what we are called to. Every church has been given a responsibility within the body of Christ. And every individual person has been given something to contribute to that church that is connected to the body. And what God has given you at this particular church is different than what he has given other churches who might be in your area. But all of the churches that are connected, that are together, make up the body of Christ. 
I remember some years ago when I was studying scripture, one of the things that I saw in scripture was that denominations are actually God-ordained. Denominations are actually God-ordained. Jesus said that he would build his church. And we see multiple instances in scripture where the Bible teaches us to look at the church as a body. And the body is made up of different parts. And those different parts have different functions, but they make up one body. God allowed denominations to be here. And what happens with denominations, the reason why it seems like denominations are divisive is because denominations came about because some people look at things as if one thing is more important than the other. But the beauty of the body is that we get to pull from each other. The reason why these denominations exist is because they are basically specialists. That God has given some denominations the ability to hone in on a certain thing and to really dig into the depths of it and understand it. This is why we can take certain liturgies and practices and rituals from the depth of understanding of our Catholic and our Anglican brothers and sisters and we can use them in our services. This is why we can express the gifts of the spirit like our brothers and sisters in the Pentecostal church. This is why we can grab a hold to the importance of the public declaration of our faith through being submerged underwater from our Baptist brothers and sisters. They are able to give us specific things that we can actually take and grab a hold of and use. So that we might become better followers of Jesus. Not to be divisive. Not to say, hey, I'm so different than you and I just believe this one thing. No, God created these denominations so that we could have access to the depths of understanding of different parts of his spirit and different parts of what he is doing. The folks in this moment, in this text that we are reading... They understood what they were called to. In this moment in the text, Christianity is new. People are learning about Jesus and they knew that their call was to talk about Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. And since we are living in a different day, since we are not living in a time where the gospel was at the beginning and people were listening and hearing things in a certain way, it is necessary that the churches have different avenues and different ways of expressing the gospel so that the gospel is relevant to a different group of people, to different types of people. Think about this for a minute. If all of the churches were vineyard churches, where would the people go who actually need a more religious and rigid lifestyle? If all of the churches were Pentecostal churches, where would the folks go who need to be in a space that is uncharged? If all of the churches were Catholic churches, Or Anglican churches, where would the people go 
who cannot really handle being in a certain type of liturgy, understand this, that God created us all differently. And just because we experience God in different ways does not disconnect us. It actually helps us to to come together. God has created different tribes, different tongues, different types of people. And if he's created different types of people, then we need different types of churches in order for people to come to Jesus. So the question is for you as a church, what is it that God has given you? What is your expression? What is the thing that God has said, this is who I have called you to be within my body? There was a church that I was doing some consulting with and they were really upset because they were not getting bigger. They were like, man, we're just not growing. We're not seeing a ton of people come in. We're at like, we're about 200 people and we just can't get past it. And so I started asking some questions and come to find out this church had been around for about 90 years. And over those 90 years, there had been multiple people who had come through their doors. And I asked them the question, what if what God has called you to as a church is that you are actually a place where people come to be healed where people come to be trained, where people come to know the depths and the understanding of scripture, and then they get sent out into the world. What if your contribution as a church to the whole body of Christ is not to become a big, gigantic megachurch, but to be a hub of a place where people can come and experience God in a different way and you are creating leaders and you are creating lifelong followers of Jesus that are contributing to the whole body of Christ. We have to understand what we are called to. Otherwise, we look at other people, we look at other things and we say, I wish I was that. But the fact of the matter is, is that God has created you uniquely. That he has given you something. That you are not here just to fill a role or to fill a spot or to take up a seat. But just like every person that has a fingerprint, you have a fingerprint, but your fingerprint is different than mine. Yours is different than the person who is next to you. Even an identical twin does not have the same fingerprint as their twin. Why? Because God has given you something unique to give away. I tell our worship leaders that when you get up to lead worship, you're not just filling a spot. God has given you something to give away. He has placed something in you to impart and to help people connect with God. They understood what their contribution to the body of Christ was. They knew that they were called to speak to the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. The next thing that we see is that they were connected to their calling. They were connected to their calling. It says this in verse 25. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared the people would stone them. 
The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And he said, we have given you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. The part of this text that we can sometimes miss is that they said, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. People were starting to follow after Jesus. They were seeing people come to him. They were seeing people healed. And the thing that is exciting to me about this is that it shows an example of what it means to be connected to something that you are called to and connected to something that you believe in. The fact that this angel came and got them out of jail and they did not leave is a testament to their connection to what God had called them to. And I sometimes wonder, what would I do in that situation? Like if, if I were preaching the gospel, got thrown in jail, and then the angel got me out. I mean, really? Is, is this really an angel telling me to go back and preach? Like, I don't know. I might be like, look, Jesus, I know. I, you know I ain't about that jail life. Is this really you telling me to go back and do the thing that I was already doing? Instead of using this moment to escape, this moment that was clearly turning into a problem where they were starting to see, oh, look, some stuff's happening to me as I'm preaching the gospel. Instead of doing that, they actually doubled down. And they actually held on to their convictions. I think this is really helpful for us because as we are coming out on the other side of a pandemic, this is a time where people start to ask the question, what am I doing? What have I been doing with my life? And they went back to doing the thing that they were doing before. And sometimes for us, we get kicked down, we get pushed out. Stuff happens in our life. And we take that as, oh man, like, I think I should probably take a break. I think I should probably just stop doing what I'm doing because clearly this isn't working. And yes, sometimes that is the truth. But what this text is actually showing us is that sometimes it is the Lord. There's a scripture in John 15 that I love. I read John 15 almost every day. And I was reading this text and I found something that really stuck out to me. And it says this. I am the true vine. John 15 verse 1. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every, bear, every branch that bears fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. As I also remain in you or stay connected to you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. 
The part of this text that I think gets overlooked a lot is in verse 2. Where he says, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it so that it would be even more fruitful. What this text is helping us to see is that there are times in your life when it feels like you are being cut and pruned and it is actually because you are walking out your calling. Jesus is saying that I will start to prune the branches that are actually bearing fruit. If you are bearing fruit, guess what? You start to get cut. You find yourself in these jail cell kind of moments. You find yourself in these places where God is calling out your sin. Where God is making clear the places in your life where you need to grow and you need to develop. Why? Because you are actually walking out your calling. You are actually doing the thing that he has called you to do. About six years ago, I was fired from a church. And when I tell people this story, they're like, what? You can get fired from a church? Yes, you can because it happened to me. I got fired from a church and someone in the church said, hey, heard about what happened. I have an Airbnb. Would love for you to just go stay there for a few days and just have some time with the Lord. Just retreat. And I said, okay. Went to this Airbnb And my goal was not really to pray or do anything. My goal was to just be angry and to just sit there and just, I'm, I'm a four on the Enneagram. I don't know if you guys know what the Enneagram is, but, um, so like I can, I can be sad at any moment. Uh, I am so in touch with my feelings. So I go to the, I go and I kind of make a night for myself. I'm like, look, I'm going to Redbox. I'm going to give me a movie. I'm going to go get some Chinese food. I'm going to get me some cookies and cream ice cream because it's the best ice cream in the world. And I sat there this one night and I'm on the bed. I'm sitting on this bed. There's a huge TV in front of me watching this TV and I'm just eating my feelings, just going for it. My Chinese, my cookies and cream, it's going good. All of a sudden, in the room, I could feel the room change. And the Lord spoke to me. And he said, Joshua, you have two ways you can respond. You can either respond like Jonah, who sat on the top of the mountain as he preached to people who who were sinning, who were out of God's will that he thought was wicked. And he said, you can you can you can sit there and be angry and wait for me to destroy it. Or you can be like Abram, who looked at Sodom and Gomorrah. That was another wicked city. And he said, God, even if there's only five righteous people there, would you spare them? 
And in that moment, as I sat there, I remember thinking, well, Jesus, I'm totally Jonah right now. And I, yes, I want you to just destroy this place. I feel like they did me wrong. This wasn't right. God, destroy it. And as I sat there, as the Holy Spirit was just hovering in the room, I felt this small little piece of me go, but Jesus, if you can make my heart like Abram, would you do it? And over the course of about two years, going to counseling, spiritual direction, having conversation with my wife, talking through the stuff that I had been going through, over the course of two years, the Lord slowly started to change my heart to where I could actually get to a place where when I saw things happening at this church that I would be like, yes, Lord, thank you, bless them. And it wasn't fake. And it wasn't like me mustering up the energy to say, bless them, Jesus. (laughs) This was a part in my life where God was cutting me. This is a part in my life where I knew what I was called to. I knew what God had said. This is what I have given for you to do. But yet, I have been cut. I had people saying to me, well, Joshua, why don't you just, why don't you just blast them? Why don't you just say what you want to say? Why are you going back to church? Like, why would you even be a pastor at another church? Like church hurt is a real thing. But I held on not to what was happening organizationally. I held on to what God was calling me to. See, at any Circumstance that comes in our life does not change our call. Trials that happen in our life does not negate our call. Our bad days do not determine our call. We are to be in it for better or for worse. That what God has given you is for you. In this text, the people were actually doing the work. They were following Jesus' command, and they still ended up in a difficult situation. The only reason they didn't run was because they believed in what they were called to. They were connected to what they were called to. And this brings me to the last point. I think that what we can learn from these people in the book of Acts, what we can learn from this particular moment, Is that we are to continue doing the work. Continue doing the work. It says in verse 18, they arrested the the apostles and put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. And he said to them, go stand in the temple courts. And tell the people about this new life. When the angel got them out of this difficult situation, he did not say, okay, now go run to a safe place. 
He didn't say, now go retreat with your family. He didn't say, take a break and come back tomorrow after you have gotten some rest and gotten some food in you. No, he said, go back and stand in the very place where you were before. Go back in the most public place. Go back to where you will be noticed. Go back to the most visible place. And continue doing the work that I have already told you to do. Continue to share the good news. Continue to do what you are called to. In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul is encouraging people to do the good work by giving them an analogy of runners running in the race. And he said this in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 24. Do you know that in a race all runners run but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others... I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. Paul is giving us both truth and encouragement. The truth is that running is hard. The truth is that running takes discipline. That running takes focus and clarity. It takes commitment. It takes constant moving. It takes for you to be focused on where you are going. But if you stay focused, if you keep going, God will continue the work that he already started in you. The past 15 months that we have been in, in the midst of a pandemic, has been like the apostles being thrown into jail. We have been forced into isolation. We have been forced into change. We have been forced into conversations. Some of us have lost our family and our friends. Some of us have found that our marriages are not what we thought they were. Some of us are realizing that our faith is not as strong as we thought it once was. Some people are battling depression and sickness and anxiety. Some people are battling loneliness and shame. But understand this, that opposition is a part of the process of walking out the calling that God has given you. And what we can learn from this text is that even when we are kicked down, even when things don't go the way that we want them to go, even after being in a politically charged year, even after seeing racial tensions time again and time again, even after being with your kids at home as they destroy your house and destroy your insanity, even after moral failures from pastors and leaders and people in the church, even after scandals that are happening in the church, even after living through a pandemic, what God has said to the church in Acts is what he is saying to us today today. 
Get back to the thing that I have called you to. Get back to feeding the hungry. Get back to preaching to those on the streets. Get back to seeing the sick healed. Get back to a life of generosity, to a life of prayer, to a life of fasting. Get back to sharing the gospel. Get back and return to your first love. Get back to the very thing that he has called you to. Don't stay locked away. Don't retreat. Don't try to find another option, but stay focused and keep your mind on the prize. Keep your mind on Christ Jesus as he continues to move in what he has called you to do. Paul is helping us in this text as he talks about running. Sometimes we overlook the part when we see Paul talking about running and we don't really visualize running. I personally hate running. (laughs) It's the one place where I feel the least connected to Jesus. I'm not kidding you. I hate it. But Paul is helping us understand it is a necessary part of what it means to follow after Jesus. That running takes commitment. And when we know what we are called to, when we know what God is asking of us, Sometimes, I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes you have to put your head down and you have to keep moving. Now, my wife is a counselor, so I have to tell you that there are times where you need to stop and you need to rest. I'm not saying be a workaholic. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that there are these moments where we have to focus and we have to get back to the thing that God is calling us to, even when we are tired. As a musician, one of the things that I've learned is that if I want to get better as a musician, I have to do things even when I'm tired. I have an actual schedule. It's in my calendar every week of when I actually have time to practice. Three kids, job, wife, travel, all the stuff. If it doesn't get in my calendar, it doesn't happen. And sometimes it's necessary to just put it in the calendar. Look, it's not less romantic to put it in the calendar. If you know that God has given you something to do and you need to be diligent at it, put it in the calendar. I'm going to close with this last text. It says this in first in Philippians one. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because you're a partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident in this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. 
one of the most important things to read out of this text is that the way that they got out of the jail cell was because God stepped in and he released them from that moment. God is the one who will continue to do the good work in us. We simply have to trust him, obey him, and step out into it. This is the word of the Lord for us today. You have had a setback. Something has happened that you did not plan, that you really did not want to happen. But I am bringing you out of it so that you can continue to do the work that I've called you to do. If you are watching online, one of the ways you can respond right now is to simply just write down, what is it that God is calling you to? And how can you continue in that work? And pray through that over this week. Maybe get with your small group or someone else or people you know and have that conversation. Let them help you through that.